Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So as everyone hopefully knows, today is a great feast in the church, and it's the feast of Pentecost. Very good. Pentecost is a great feast. It is the culmination of all the feasts. But for some reason, my guess is that most people don't give it as much uh, as it deserves. We don't give it as much, like, for example, Christmas, everybody knows Christmas. Everybody knows when Christmas is. Everyone has the, the date, okay, you know, and then I would hesitate to ask because I'm scared of the answer. How many people already know what they're doing next year on Christmas? Like, we already have plans and we know what we're going to do on Christmas. Easter, we all look forward to Easter. Easter's the big one. We have it circled on the calendar. Everybody knows when Easter is. Even the people at Costco, they know when our Easter is, okay? I feel like they plan their fiscal year around us the Saturday before Easter. But Pentecost, how many people had Pentecost, June 4th, circled on their calendar? How many people are like, Four more days till Pentecost. How many people were like, oh, Pentecost is June. Oh, you want to invite me to this? On June 4th, I'm busy. It's Pentecost. Can't do anything on that Saturday because it's Pentecost. None of us say that. None of us say that. But that shows that there's something wrong. Because Pentecost is the culmination of all the feasts. And all the work of Christ, like we kind of divide it, like Christmas and Easter and Good Friday and all those things. But it's really one act of salvation of Christ. Everything that Christ did is really one act that begins right here on the day of Annunciation, and it concludes today on the day of Pentecost. It's one act, okay, which is divided like, like one story divided into many chapters, or however many chapters. And if we don't understand what Pentecost is all about, then we're missing the whole thing. And I fear, I thought about it, why is it? I thought of two reasons, well, three reasons. I thought of three reasons why I think we don't make much out of Pentecost. The first one's very obvious which is that it doesn't affect something very important to us, which is what? Our diet. Well, actually, it does affect it. It affects it in a negative way. Everybody know Easter? Because like I said, we want to eat. So everyone knows when Easter is. We want to eat. Pentecost means we don't get to eat, because in case you didn't know, of course you know, but just as a reminder, we start a fast tomorrow, one of the oldest fasts in the church, the Fast of the Apostles, which, just for your own information, which I know a lot of people don't make much of, me and my personal life, the first fast I ever fasted seriously was the fast of the apostles. And it's always been my favorite for that reason. Because for me, it was the beginning of my spiritual journey was this fast. It wasn't Lent, wasn't Good Friday, it was this fast. That begins tomorrow. That's one reason why we don't like Feast of Pentecost. We're like, no, go away, go away, go away. You know, let's make it 60 days, 70 days, 80 days, go away. The other reason why, the second reason, I don't know the right word for it. I feel like the other feasts are very like... The only, I'm thinking of a word, and that's not a good word, but under, like in the true sense of the word, romantic. Like Jesus dying on the cross is romantic. It's a love story. Jesus died for me. Ah, I get salvation. We like stories about Jesus rose from the dead in power and in glory, and, it's, and it's, it's something visible that I feel like I'm getting. I'm getting his death for my, like blood for my sake. I'm getting resurrection. I'm getting Christ on this earth. Holy Spirit coming, it's like, well, we already had Jesus, and he already kind of did his thing, and we did like this whole procession thing for all these days, so what more can you add to that? So it's not like a, 
It doesn't have the dramatic flair. Like all the movies are made about Good Friday and Easter. No one made a movie about this Holy Spirit on Pentecost because it wouldn't be that exciting of a movie because all the lead actors get killed. Okay, just they, the Holy Spirit comes and they all get killed. But I think there's a third reason, and that's the third reason I want to focus on here today of why we don't make enough out of Pentecost. And I think it's because, best case scenario, we don't really understand what Pentecost is all about. Worst case scenario, we do understand and we don't like what Pentecost is all about. So best case, we don't understand. Worst case, we do understand, but we don't like. Let's assume it's the first one that we don't understand. What is Pentecost all about? Put it to me in a nutshell. We know it's the day that the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles and disciples, and we can say the apostles and disciples are representing us. It's the day that the Holy Spirit came upon all mankind. We had a baptism earlier this morning. Okay, we we're talking about how one person today became a child of God, but Pentecost is the day that we all became children of God, all of humanity. God poured forth his Holy Spirit upon all humanity. Before that, the Holy Spirit existed, okay, and was around, but the Holy Spirit was kind of given in dosages was given to individuals for a specific time or specific task, kings, prophets, priests, okay? Holy Spirit was given for, but on Pentecost, Holy Spirit came upon all and all humanity. God now, no more. Old Testament, we could say God was above us. New Testament, Jesus Christ, God was beside us. Holy Spirit, Pentecost, God inside us. So that's what I'm saying. It's the culmination of God coming near and then inside. What happened on the day of Pentecost? What's the result of it? Bottom line it for me. Let's just cut to the chase. What I would say, you agree with me, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, Pentecost is all about, it's the day the church became the body of Christ. It's the day the church became the body of Christ. It's the day the church went from just a group of people assembled together, following Jesus around, to becoming the body of Christ himself. Okay, where they were indwelt by God, to not just be close to God, learn about God, but to become God in the world themselves. And you think about it the same way, anytime we celebrate the Eucharist right here, the Holy Spirit is who we, and we invoke the Holy Spirit to come upon this bread, and the bread becomes the body of Christ. So Holy Spirit is all about not just teach us about God and not just make us close to God. The Holy Spirit is all about that we become the body of Christ as that we become God's arms, his ears, his nose, his mouth, his feet. We become the arms and feet of Christ here on this earth. That's why we give the Holy Spirit the title. What's the official title for the Holy Spirit? Yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit. He has many titles. The Lord, the giver of life or life giver. Okay, the life giver means what? It means the one who gave us life. But you say, before I had the Holy Spirit, I didn't have life. You may have been alive, but you didn't have life. Because the only source of life is Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We read that a couple weeks ago. So if Christ is the source of life, then until Christ is inside me, then I have no life. Okay, it's logic. So the Holy Spirit is the life giver because when God comes and dwells inside me, now I have life inside me. He makes me the body of Christ. He makes me the body of Christ. We think about Pentecost, and we think about, or we think about salvation, we think about the work of Christ. It's outside in. Okay, it's Christ came and he preached. Christ came and he touched. Christ came and he did. It's outside in. Until Pentecost, now the work of God is inside out, is that Christ dwells in me, and now I am Christ to the entire world around me. 
That's why Jesus said it's to your advantage that I go away, I go away so that the Holy Spirit will come. Think of the difference between Christ with us versus the Holy Spirit with us. Think about Jesus as your neighbor, your next door neighbor. You say, wow, what could be better than Jesus as my next door neighbor? And he puts the for sale sign. You're like, no, Jesus, don't go. He says, no, I got to move out. Jesus, don't go. The neighborhood's going to stink without you. The property value is going to go down. We don't know who's going to move in. Jesus says, no, I'm moving out of this house. I'm no more your neighbor. And we say, oh, that stinks. But then Jesus says, no, but that's okay because I'm moving in your basement. I'm not going to be your neighbor anymore. I'm moving in the living room. I'm going to live in your bedroom. Like, I'm going to live everywhere you go. I'm with you everywhere you go. You don't need to come to a certain place to be with me because I am with you everywhere you go. Isn't that beautiful? So why is it that we don't like it? Why is it I said that some of us understand it and don't like it? Here's the critical part. If we are the body of Christ, if the Holy Spirit's job is to make us the body of Christ, if the Holy Spirit's job is to make us the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit's job is to make this bread the body of Christ. If the Holy Spirit's job is to make me the body of Christ, the eyes and ears of Christ, if the Holy Spirit's job is to transform us into Christ, what does the life of Christ look like? What does the life of Christ look like? You know why I think we don't like Pentecost? And we, we struggle with this, why we resist it? Because the life of Christ is not a life of what's in it for me. The life of Christ is not a life of, what do I get out of this? That's how we think about it. Gimme, 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 gimme. But the life of Christ is about a life of giving, not of receiving. And I'll prove it to you. Let's go back through all the times that God gave the Holy Spirit to people. Let's go back from the very beginning. And let's see, when God gave the Holy Spirit to people, what was the intention behind it? That they have or that they become and give? When's the first time the Holy Spirit is given to anyone on earth? Anyone know? It's actually very um, relevant timing for us. Where is he? Very relevant timing for us today, these days. When's the first time the Holy Spirit came upon anyone? Anyone know? No, before, in the Old Testament, way before. Exodus, who? Okay, Exodus 31, a guy named Bezalel. You need to know this in case you're ever on Jeopardy. The first time the Holy Spirit, okay? Guy named Bezalel. Didn't seem like a big deal. Anyone know what Bezalel's job was? Bull, you know Bezalel's job? <laughs> he was an artist. And he was the one who came to paint and, and, and draw the art in the tabernacle. It says this. See, I have called by my name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the spirit of God. Listen carefully. I filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. Why did God give Bezalel the Holy Spirit? So he could walk around like a boss? So he could be a champ? So he would never struggle with sin again? So he'd have all kinds of gifts that he could use for himself? Why did God give him this gift of the Holy Spirit? So that he could use it for the glory of God, so that he could be God on this earth in the sense of any beauty, the, 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 the tabernacle was ordained with beauty. Any beauty comes from God. So anyone who produces any kind of beauty is only from God. So Bezalel, in a small way, was God. He was the body of Christ because he produced something beautiful. Who else in the Old Testament received the Holy Spirit? Who? Okay, before John the Baptist. Samuel. 
Samuel, 1 Samuel. I'm sorry, in the book of Samuel, uh, Saul. Samuel did get the Holy Spirit, but I want to go to Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 10. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul the king. Why? Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. That's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Samuel saying this to Saul. You will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Why did God give Saul the Holy Spirit? So that he could be famous? So he could sit on a throne? So he could be rich? No. He said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so you can be me. So you can speak my words. So you can judge my people. You can serve my people. You can lead and shepherd my people. I'm giving you the Spirit so you can be me in this world. But me in this world isn't glory. Me in that world is glory. But me in this world isn't glory. See how we see it backwards? Others. Someone said uh, John the Baptist. Okay, Epiphany. Holy Spirit came upon Jesus on the day of Epiphany or Theophany. Why? What happened to Jesus right after that? So the Holy Spirit came. This is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Receive the Holy Spirit. So now, for sure, Jesus is going to ascend to the throne and sit in all his glory. And people are going to serve him hand and foot. Know what happened next? He went to the wilderness. And he was tempted. And then he came back and the people hated his guts. And eventually they killed him. The Holy Spirit didn't come upon him for an easy life. The Holy Spirit came upon him for a sacrificial life, a selfless life, a giving life. Same with the day of Pentecost that we celebrate today. Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and disciples, like I said a minute ago. Every one of them, within a few years, was killed. And even before they were killed, forget about the killed. After this moment, after the Holy Spirit came upon them, their life became easier or harder? Much harder. Before that, they had Jesus protecting them at all times. After that, their life became much harder, each one to his own way, one to the left, one to the right, one to the north, one to the south. And their life became difficult and difficult and difficult and difficult. But it was infilled, indwelt by the Holy Spirit to be Christ to the world. And Christ said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you become me. But become me is a life of giving, not a life of receiving. And that's where we're like, oh, we kind of wanted... We kind of wanted Holy Spirit because we know Holy Spirit has a fruit of love, joy, and peace. So Holy Spirit, come and give me love, give me joy, and give me peace. Nope. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us to give us peace. Holy Spirit comes upon us that we can be an instrument of peace. Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us so that we can just have joy for ourselves. Holy Spirit comes upon us so we can be a source of joy. Like how many of us will take love? How many of us, single or married? Let's start with married. How many of us are waiting for someone else to provide us the love that we promised in front of the altar that we would be the ones giving unconditionally? And single people, I say this every time I go to a wedding. You've heard me say this. It becomes a joke. It's not a joke. It's a serious. Every wedding is a funeral. I always say that. Every wedding is a funeral. Every funeral is a wedding. And the reason why? Because if you're not ready to die, you're not ready to get married. People take it as like a ha-ha-ha funny thing. No, it's not a ha-ha-ha funny thing. It's a serious thing. Because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you on the day of your wedding. Married people, the Holy Spirit came upon us on the day of our wedding. The same hymn that we just sang here of the Holy Spirit, we sing it at a wedding. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and he unites us. Not to say, okay, now I'm married. Bring the love. That's right, bring it. Now here I am. I should be loved unconditionally for the rest of my life. That's why there's all the problems. That's why we don't understand. How come he doesn't love me? How come he doesn't love me? No, no, no. Well, we promised that day, as the Holy Spirit come upon us, I'm giving love. I'm a source of love. And I would love to get it in return. That's the best. But that, that's, that's a different, like, that's, that's a different chapter. That's like the, the, the epilogue or prologue or whatever, appendix, whatever it is. But the book is, Holy Spirit, come. 
I'm Christ. Serve, not be served. The Holy Spirit comes upon us to make us the body of Christ. And too many of us are looking for what does that mean for me? What do I get out of that? And I believe instead we have to look at it in a different way. Not what do I get out of that, but who do I become out of that? And who I become is Christ. And if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we are Christ in this world, then it's not about what we have. It's about who we are and who we are to the rest of this world. I'm going to give you two verses. Okay, you can remember these verses. First is 1 John 4, 17. 1 John 4, 17. 1 John what? Repeat after me. As he is, so are we in this world. That's an easy verse. As he is, so are we in this world. Altogether. As he is, so are we in this world. That's Holy Spirit. That's Pentecost. Is that we are now him in this world. As he is. So again, going into your office tomorrow, or going into your home today, or going into the Starbucks after church. As he is, so are we in this world. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive his body and blood. We are Christ. We're not, Christ didn't come and say, hurry up. Christ didn't come and say, serve me. Christ didn't come and say, give me. Christ came and said, I give my life. So as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Say the whole thing by yourselves. As he is, so are we in this world. Very nice. The next one is John chapter 20. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's what Jesus said at the very end, after the resurrection. He said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Does anyone know what the next verse after that says? After that, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the? As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Y'all agree? Yes, we'll be you. You'll be me in this world? Yes. You'll be my eyes? Yes. You'll be my hands? Yes. You'll be my feet? Yes. You'll do as I do? Yes. You'll wash one another's feet as I washed your feet? Yes. You'll love one another as I have loved you? Yes. You'll do like me? Yes. Okay. After that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See how it works. Then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Don't worry about that part. Leave that to the priests, okay? But you do the first part, okay? Don't, do the, don't retain and forgive sins, okay? Don't, don't do that, okay? But you see how it works. So our message here for today is we need to stop looking at the Holy Spirit as a gift of God. It is the gift of God. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God. But if look, don't look at it as a gift, like a gift under a tree. We open it up. We play with it. That's eh, boring. And then we move on. So we're like, yeah, we played with the Holy Spirit last year. It was nice on the day of Pentecost, but it, that's, not the, that's not that gift. What does the priest say? Okay, at the very end of every service, he says, the love of God the Father, the grace of his only begotten Son, the gift and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The gift and fellowship. So fellowship, actually, there's a better word than fellowship, which is, anyone know? Communion. The gift and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Communion of the Holy Spirit, meaning oneness with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God. So we don't look at it as a gift. We open, we play, and we put it away until next year. We look at it as today. Great feast, great culmination of all the feasts. Okay, when the entire salvation cake was baked, and that's the cherry on top of the cake. Okay, today. Okay, that's the, the perfect, that's the cake. The cake was incomplete before. The cake was good, 
Good Friday was good. Easter was good. It was good. But the cake is made today. And it's boxed up and it's packaged for you. And that cake finishes with the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling inside of us. That we would become Christ in this world. My prayer for you and for me and for all of us is that we collectively... We're the body of Christ. Someone walks in those doors, they know that they're not coming into an auditorium with, with, with just a university and just a coffee and a donuts, whatever it is. They're coming into the body of Christ. Anyone coming in these doors, coming into the body of Christ. And each one of us is a little piece, like we read in the Pauline. One's an eye, one's an ear, one's a toe. You say, I'm just a toenail, that's fine. Whatever it is, it's all the same body of Christ. Everyone's a piece. And I pray not just us collectively, but me personally, that I would be the body of Christ everywhere I go because I carry the fullness of him who dwells and all in all in all, I, dwell, I carry the fullness of him inside me, and so do you. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.